Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. I am John Ledyard from PewterReport.com. Along with me today, the one and only Scott Reynolds, also from PewterReport.com. And Scott, we've got a Bucks training camp is exactly four days away. Tom Brady's yeah. down. <laughs> four. Yeah. Not more than Brady thinks, but exactly four days yeah. away until Bucks training camp. We are looking forward to it. We've got the last of our positional preview yeah. series today, looking at linebackers, corners, and safeties. And it's going to be fun trying to break down where the depth is at these positions because we know a lot of the starters, we'll touch on them briefly yeah. and then talk about them. But a lot of the, the focus of this is going to be on the depth and uh, what we'll see from the position groups as they get deep into training camp, especially the preseason games. John, I like the new Tom Brady. I'm just going to say it. I mean, maybe it's just, you know, he's finally feeling his way around Tampa. Maybe he's comfortable now, you know, that he's won uh, a Super Bowl ring with the Buccaneers, Super Bowl MVP, you know, bro broke and shattered the single season touchdown record in Tampa with 40 passing touchdowns, tacked on three more, just, you know, because he's 43. So let's just make it even number 43 touchdowns for a 43 year old quarterback. But it, it's just nice, you know, come out of a shell like this. You know, that was yeah. – uh, it, it's cool to see um, Brady really kind of liven up. And, um, it is. It, I mean, <laughs> let's face it. And now maybe he goes back into season mode, but it's like some of those Zoom calls, man, last year, they were kind of dry. It was like standard cut and dry answers oh, man. from Brady. Very generic. Yes. Um, very short, right? <laughs> he he keeps things very brief. I mean, his answers are long. But he's yeah. He should be a, like a U.S. senator because he – he will go filibuster like uh, a four he will. response. And then yep. it's like, by the time he's done answering four questions, he's done. Like, well, that's my time. We're done. So, right. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's hilarious I, to go through those zooms with him in the yeah. season. Cause everybody's like, we, do we get Brady day? Do we get Brady day? We're like, yeah. well, <laughs> what four we? of us do. Like, right? come on. Like <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like he never yeah. says anything and he takes for uh, all the whole, all the questions, yeah. you know, the time to answer and say nothing. You know, he's got that down pat. Mike Tomlin, was yeah. you know Bucks fans know him probably oh, yeah. not as a what he sounds like as a head coach as much but he would do he does the exact same thing in very generic yeah yep. I mean I, I, I remember asking Mike Tomlin this is back when he was a defensive backs coach right because he you know he, he started this back in Tampa when he was just a position coach so he 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 would sit there and say um uh, you know I would ask him you know so uh I'm doing a story on Brian Kelly mm. uh Mike and and I, I want to kind of talk about Brian's toughness specifically yeah. how he would jam receivers at the line of scrimmage and and uh, you know if you can just kind of elaborate on that well you know Brian's like all of our corners man you know all of our guys are tough <laughs> and uh, resilient yep. and yeah you know and okay I, but I'm, I'm looking specifically for a quote about Brian specifically Brian just number, compliment your own number twenty five right the guy that wears twenty five how how he unlike maybe some of the other guys is really good at just jamming guys and rerouting them in the Tampa two right no you know, for sure it's we uh, we, we, listen, we we like BK you know B BK Rondé. Yes. Uh, Dwight Smitty, you know, all these guys are really good. He just, it's just the way he was. He was very generic. And so I'd like to see yeah. Tom with the zingers, Aaron Rodgers, you know, Tom on, on, uh, you know, the, uh, um, uh, the, the barbershop show that's escaping yeah, my name. The shop. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Shop. Yeah. Just, just, yeah. it's like, I like this guy. Let's, let's see more of him as the season comes, right. comes to, to play. Toby says, uh, rest in peace, Scott's voice. Your voice is coming back, Scott. It's, it's sounded stronger and stronger. It's, 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 
it's about 70%. So, um, you know, there, there will be times when it sounds like I'm going through puberty again. It was so right. much fun the first time around as a teenager. Again, I'm going through, uh, maybe my, my voice is going through a midlife crisis at age 49, but, um, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. I couldn't well, talk at all in June. So this, this is much better and right. better and, now than I was at the beginning of July. And you get to drink Celsius again, right? Which is probably yes. the best part. Oh my part. gosh, and- John. I, I had I had the the tropical vibe again today. This is this is the top five flavor for me. It just me it's just rocketing up there. And you know what? Here's the thing too. It's like I I you know I'm not going to bore everybody with my acid reflux issues that caused all this problem. But I finally you know changed my diet. But now I can finally get back to eating some of these tasty uh-huh. delicious. This is the salted caramel peanut butter crunch fast bar. I've got the cookies and cream here. And and it's like John, I would see you. You know, munch these things live on their Peter Report podcast from our friends at Celsius with with this amazing fast uh, uh, energy bar, and and the thing is, is I was so jealous because, um, like you, they shipped me a case of these, and like I really literally couldn't eat any of them in June because yeah. dietary restrictions, and now I'm just mowing through these things. You talked about the cookies and cream; that was the first one that I tried. I loved it. This is just as good. They have two flavors; they're both home runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bucks fans, Peter yeah. Report readers, listeners, listen. Um, this stuff is legit. If you like the taste of Celsius, and who doesn't because it's a mm-hmm. phenomenal tasting beverage, these protein bars, and I'm not going to name names, but we've all tried some that taste like sawdust or cardboard. These taste like candy bars, and they're yeah. they're good for you. So I highly recommend them. Right, absolutely. And uh, so Celsius.com, you can go to or check out the banner ads and PeterReport.com, find out where that stuff is near you. Or just order them online. You can do that yep. too and uh, get yourself. There's a variety pack. I put the link in the YouTube description of this episode down below. So you can click on that and you get yourself a variety pack. Try some of the white chocolate cookies and cream and the salted caramel one. So yep. uh, you get a little bit of both uh, worlds uh, over at the, with the protein bars. All right, Scott, we got a lot to talk about on this show. And we're going to start with talking about my top 10. I've recently released my top 10 Buccaneers, my top 10 current Buccaneers. You proved it and published it for me, and you said yeah. nice list. You said some nice things. I won't. I won't lie that you did say some nice things. Yeah. But you said I probably would have done the order a little bit differently. So I'm curious as people, some people, hopefully most have seen the my last box briefing column and they've yeah. seen my top ten box that ranked in order. What were the biggest things that jumped out to you as you saw that t- that top ten and kind of wondered, wow, like. This is something totally different than what I would do. Yeah, it's been a busy week. I've not really had time to think about this. I've read your your fifty three. You know your, all the different players that you've had in your rankings, and so uh, the, the the top ten. I I think it, God, everyone's going to think I'm an Antonio Bryant, uh, Antonio Brown hater, but I'm not. I I, I like AB, but it's just that you've got the guy that's probably going to end up being the third wide receiver on this team as the number ten player on the team. Now I know that the Bucks are a pass first offense right? right i mean when you've got the greatest quarterback of all time when you've got the quarterback whisperer as the architect of the offense and a former quarterback himself and byron left which is the play caller yeah like this is going to be a passing offense and i get that brady's numbers last year second highest all time in terms of passing yards over four thousand yards only behind Jameis winston in terms of of, of passing yards and mm-hmm. i wouldn't be shocked listen i wouldn't be shocked if brady threw for five thousand this year uh, just because he's got a year's worth of chemistry and, yeah. uh, you know, he's got the the, the offense down now. Um, I think they're going to pick up where they left off. I, I just really do. Um, 
But the thing is, you've got three receivers in the top 10. So I think you can make a case for it. It just, I right. wouldn't necessarily put Brown in there. Um, you've got Godwin, number one, um, sorry, right. number two behind Brady, but number one in terms of the top receiver over Mike Evans. Yes. I, I saw your show this summer where you talked about that. I read your column. Um, I understand your reasoning. And listen, it's not far fetched because um, just two years ago, when Godwin was a little bit healthier, I mean, he missed, I think, the last three games of the season with the hamstring injury. Evans missed, uh, I want to say, four games, the last four games with his hamstring injury. Yeah. But still, that was a Pro Bowl season for Godwin, 1,000 yards. He led the team in catches, touch, touchdowns, and receiving yards. And both he and Evans made the Pro Bowl. And I think that's what the Bucks are envisioning this year. And I think that's why they wanted to wait to see, okay, is is Chris Godwin a thousand yard receiver or is he an eight hundred yard receiver? Hey, because, he was already a thousand yard receiver. He was a thirteen hundred yard right, receiver. Right, exactly. Well, yeah, and and I guess that's the thing too. More specifically, is that number over over a thousand? Is it closer to thirteen or is mm-hmm. it a thousand or is it eight hundred? Because that's that's going to be determining what the actual market value is. Because he's kind of been all over the place in terms of of the yardage, and and I think the Buccaneers just want to see like, okay, going forward, we we love Chris. He's a great fit for this scheme. He plays right. the most important position, and I understand that's your reasoning for putting him ahead of Mike Evans. It's just I like Mike. You know, he's right. a, he's a thousand yard guy. He's a big bodied receiver. The dude's tough as nails. Um, I like Chris too, but just as an as an old timer, it's like you know, <laughs> the you know Mike's Mike's been around since twenty fourteen. That's right. <laughs> and so it's hard for me just psychologically eventually to say that Chris is better than Mike. Um, cause I probably won't, but I understand your reasoning, but I think the biggest sticking point I had, um, was in, in just in case you haven't read that article, Antonio Brown, number 10, I thought uh, that Shaq, one was going to be one. Yeah. Yeah. Shaq Barrett, number nine, you'd have um, him higher or lower. Shaq? Um, I, I, I think I, I think that's probably about right for Shaq. He's definitely in the top 10 Ryan Jensen, eight. I'm a big Jensen guy. I, mm-hmm. I think it all starts up front with him. I agree with you there. Vita Vey at seven. Um, I, I, I can see the logic there. Wirfs at, at six, Marpet at five, um, Levante at four. I think that's, I think, uh, you know, I, I'm a Levante guy. I think I'd have Levante probably outside the top five. Wow. Um, so who's the number one defensive player on the team if it's not Levante? That's a great question. Um, I mean, it could be Vea, but uh, five games yeah. last year and then two in the playoffs, it's, yeah. but, it's um, hard to put them higher. It, it is, it is. But Marpet and Jensen, you could have a top five that's all offense too. Yeah, yeah, for real. Um, it it kind of goes to, back to what I was talking about when I put Warren Sapp at number one, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and just the reasoning there. It's like, okay, out of all of these great Buccaneers, if you're drafting them in their prime, who's the number one draft pick, right? Who's, who's that guy going to be? And I think that's what gave Warren the edge over Derek Brooks, who's mm-hmm. the more decorated Buccaneer, right? There. Yeah. I think we lost Scott. You got disconnected from the pod. John asks a great question here. How do you think Godwin would fare against number one cornerbacks? We've talked about this a little bit on the show. This is one of the things that I said, if you're arguing for Mike Evans, it's probably the biggest talking point for Mike Evans is that you can, you can okay. say Mike Evans goes against cornerback number, number one cornerbacks. Godwin does not. 
And so you could, that's the best argument for Mike Evans that you could make. Sorry, Scott, I, we lost yeah. you for a second, but yep, John was just saying, uh, well, how do you think Godwin would fare against number one cornerbacks? And that's the thing. If you're arguing for Mike Evans, I think that's the best piece of evidence for him yeah. because we really don't know how Godwin would do against number one cornerbacks. We have not seen that. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. So you, you asked about the defensive players. Who mm-hmm. am I going to draft first? You know, I would draft a younger Levante David as as the first guy, right? Like but, from, from the defense. He's 31. Yeah. I think I think Devin at this point is a more dynamic player. If you were drafting them. Yeah, I know. It's sure, it's sure. tough. I would probably draft Vita Vea just because he's a he's a unicorn, right? And a, like the whole pressure package and the run defense starts up front with him. Yeah. Um um, you know, I, I can probably find edge rushers, maybe not as good, but like in the same vein as a JPP or Shaq. You know, Devin, I think, is on the way to becoming uh, a bit of a unicorn. I think Levante was was you know that Derek Brooks type in his prime, and I, I think right. listen, I think I think Levante is still on the cusp of his prime. It just, I think, with, with Levante and every fast linebacker, happened to Derek Brooks too. There's mm-hmm. one year where it just it just you fall off a cliff because you lose right. your wheels, you lose your speed. And um, hopefully it's not for a couple more years with Levante, but right. I, I don't think it will stuff. be, but you're right. Like the, the decline is still going to happen with him. So yeah, tough to totally, uh, you know, make a top 10 that, that pleases everybody for sure. But it was interesting to me. One of the interesting things in doing the exercise was thinking about guys where they're at in their careers and trying to, yeah. like, I was trying to differentiate value from right. just being good at your position. Like I think Carlton Davis is really good and his value is really, really, really good because of what he gives you in terms of ability to play man coverage against number ones and follow right. them all over the field. That's not something a lot of teams have. But like I would also say that there was like a handful of guys probably better than him on the team. So he was just outside my top 10, even though yep. I think the case could be made he's their MVP too. So it's interesting to think about things like value versus how good you are at your specific role and try to quantify all that in a ranking. So it was fun stuff. Let's move ahead to the previews and the training camp battles. We've already had some questions about the cornerback spot for this team. So let's just start there so we can give the people what they want. Now the the cornerback spot on this team, we know the top three guys, right? Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy, Bunting, Jamel Dean. We can talk about Sean Murphy, Bunting and Jamel Dean being sort of question marks as we enter the season, not whether they're start or not, but whether they'll be good or not, whether they're long-term answers at those positions or not. We don't know that yet. We're a couple of years in and we don't know it yet. So we'll find that out hopefully about those guys. Right. But the other guy, Ross Cockrell, he's locked in, right? He's the number four guy, no question about it. It's after that really that yeah. it gets interesting, right? There's a ton of names, not a lot of definitely like no proven play defensively, hardly any I'll say. Yeah. You've got to just give people the list so they have all the names in their head. Herb Miller, our favorite, right? Lo- yeah. Against the Lions, Herb. came up with a pick. Herb, let's Herb. go. Yeah. Antonio Hamilton from the Chiefs. He played in all every game last year, I believe. Um, special teams ace has the most experience of anybody, I think, on special teams out of these guys. Um, right. He's probably another favorite to maybe compete for that, that fifth spot. Chris Wilcox, who's the seventh rounder, has got to be in the mix, right, for that 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 uh, f- that fifth corner spot, just based on the fact that he's a recent draft pick. But he was about six picks from being Mister Relevant in the right. draft too, so it's not like they invested a great you know fourth or fifth in him. Cameron yeah. Kinley is kind of what nobody would have thought of him as kind of being able. There would have been those three, probably Wilcox, Herb Miller, and Antonio Hamilton. Now Kinley may have worked himself into that mix now that he's back and allowed by the military to kind of be able to pursue this. Now he's going to have the opportunity to compete for the fifth corner spot. And he really looked the best out of all of them. I thought 
during the rookie minicamp uh, portion of things. So you've got Nate Brooks and you've got D Delaney to kind of round out that group. Those guys are the long shots. Yeah. Brooks and Delaney both really struggled in rookie minicamp. So I would say that they're probably on the back burner. But right now, yeah, if I'm looking at this group, I'm saying let's start by talking about Herb Miller because he's the guy he's been around. All these other guys are kind of newbies. He's the one yeah. that's been around and has an opportunity to, to probably will start camp as the number five guy. I think so too. And, and I, I think for Herb or whoever wins this this fifth cornerback position really has a chance to maybe even be the fourth guy. I think Ross Cockrell makes this team as the fourth or the fifth just because of his veteran presence. But yeah. if one of these guys kind of takes a rocket ride through camp and, and you know what, it's kind of funny because we kind of thought that might be Parnell Motley last year. Right. I mean, he was a guy that was really coming on and making a lot of plays and it just didn't work out um, as as kind of that that, you know, camp star that he got some early buzz, but um, it, it didn't quite work out. And I think he's with the Broncos now. But yeah, I would, I would not be surprised if, if Herb, I think he's the leader in the clubhouse and making this team as that fourth or fifth corner. You're going to give Ross Cockrell the, the edge, obviously, because of the playing time and experience. But yeah. um, but I, I, I think, you know, listen. That interception goes a long way. Like the, his stock really went up in the building because he got very few, very limited reps during yes. the season, and he made the most of those opportunities. Just mm-hmm. like, and we're going to talk about him in a second, Mike Edwards. When the guy was on the field, good things happened, right? Outside of that that muffed kickoff in, in week one against New Orleans, which kind of put him in the doghouse a little bit. But kind boy, of forgot about that. Thanks for reminding yeah. me. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, that was his start, but it's like, you know, like, how did he end? I mean, his every single time he was on the field, it's like there was a chance he was going to make a big play, a big fumble recovery, mm-hmm. uh, almost scooped and scored against the Saints in, in the big loss on Sunday night football. But, you know, his interception was, was on Drew Brees' last throw. Yeah. in, in uh, uh, the Superdome in the playoff game. So uh, this is a guy that is a playmaker, and I think Herb Miller showed a brief glimpse that he can kind of make plays in very limited opportunities. So mm-hmm. obviously preseason is going to be huge for these guys, uh, and I think it's going to come down to their performance in the preseason games because there wasn't any preseason games last year. But the interesting thing, John, Herb Miller, 6'2", 190, um, you know, the the shortest corner they have in this team is D, D Delaney at 5'11", yeah. 200. Uh, right. Antonio Hamilton, 6'188". Cameron Kinley, 6'2", 204. They've got a tight. They've got a tight, yeah. Scott. Chris Wilcox, 6'2", 193. So this is the biggest Bucks cornerback group I've ever seen in my 26 years covering this team. Toby Valora says, why does it look like John is in his junior high bedroom with his Polaroid photo collages? That ceiling and door jams scream yins or country. <laughs> I am yep. up in Pennsylvania right now. This is not my house or my junior high bedroom or my photo collages <laughs> or, or any of that. But I appreciate you pointing out that the ceiling looks like it is yins or country. I don't know what that means, but it definitely made me laugh, Toby. That's Thank good. you. Um, but no, I, I kind of agree with you on Herb Miller, but I am going to be honest, Scott, my heart is wandering. I know we have had an affinity for Herb for quite a while, not yeah. really for any real reason other than the fact that his name's just awesome. <laughs> Sounds like an 80 year old dude named Herb yeah. and he's just out of your ball and getting an interception and in like his five snaps on the season. Right. But I think it's also like, I'm kind of drawn to Kinley, not just the story part of it. That's fun. I think he's made of the right stuff. I know the bucks gravitate toward that. But he just played really well at rookie minicamp. And I had no, I've never watched him. Like, I I never studied his college tape. I'll just be honest. Like, I haven't seen any of that stuff yet. I have for a lot of these other guys. But 
I don't know. To me, I'm really just kind of intrigued. He has the size that they want. I know he's not the fastest, most athletic dude in the world, but I think they might be able to live with that. I think he could be somebody that could be a good special teamer for this team. So, yeah, yeah, I, I am kind of gravitating toward Kinley right now when it's funny Neither of us seem to be gravitating toward Wilcox, who's the draft pick out here. Shouldn't he be inside track guy to get this job, maybe along with Herb? I, I, I think this is the year where and, – and listen, Jason Light doesn't have much of an ego. He really doesn't. But I think this is the year where they knew going into the draft the day three draft picks were probably going to be practice squad guys. Yeah. And so I, I, don't, I don't think that they, they feel any compulsion to keep a seventh-rounder, sixth-rounder on this team – uh, just for that reason, um, I, I think that they're truly going to let the best players make the team, and and the guys that don't, even if they're late day three guys, they'll be practice squad guys. And so I, I'm I'm sure that's that's probably you know the destiny for for Wilcox, unless he just balls out and, and pulls off an upset. But the thing is, Herb Miller, I mean, he's got a year's worth of experience in this defense, and that that is going to you know mean something. Right. I agree that that will probably mean something. And now Herb missed a lot of the minicamp portion of things because of an injury. He was yeah. not quite hundred percent. And then I think he, if I'm remembering right now, I don't have my notes in front of me. I think he was out there for the regular minicamp. Wasn't he the mandatory minicamp? I, or at I least you so. were only there one day, I guess, but yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure he was out there for that participating at least as much as those guys were participating. Right. And there was such a steady rotation at corner between the two oh, fields yeah. and the top guys. And, you know, so right. We really don't have a good feel for how this is going to play out. I will say this, though. One guy we haven't mentioned out of the four that we've talked – or the three that we've talked about, we, we haven't mentioned the it's fourth Hamilton. guy who I think is – yes, is Hamilton. Yeah. I, I think he – logic would tell us Hamilton's got a pretty good chance to make this team. Certainly with the special teams ability. Right, exactly. And that's what it's, it's going to come down to. It's mm-hmm. going to come down to special teams, too. We, we would be remiss if we didn't say that. Right. It's it's probably just going to be special teams, right? I mean, Ryan Smith didn't even play a defensive snap last year. That's technically yeah. the guy they're probably replacing. So my question is uh, to you, and then I'll come back to Hamilton with some numbers here in a second, but do you think, Scott, that there's any way that they could keep six cornerbacks on this team, or do you think it's going to be five all the way? I think it's going to be five, only because the when you look at the safety positions, right, If you if you went with six corners – um, I think you're limited to four safeties then, really, if, because I, I think that the magic number is like ten, right, for the secondary. Because um, you're going to need you're going to need you know some linebackers, some tight ends to, to really play special teams too. Obviously, the safeties and corners play roles in special teams, but you still need some bigger bodies for special teams, kickoff, you know, punt um, uh, coverage, you know, units, those kind of mm-hmm. things. So to me, I, um, I I think they get away with with five corners because Mike Edwards can also play nickel nickel corner as well. Uh, he can play free safety, strong safety, nickel corner. And remember, he started uh, in 2019 a game at, at the slot position over Sean Murphy Bunting, I believe, at nickel corner. So I think that's, um, you know, I think I think that's their flex guy that can kind of do both, and yep. I think that prevents them really from having six cornerbacks because Mike Edwards is really that quasi-sixth corner. Mm, yeah, yeah, for sure. And Winfield, we saw play in the slot some too. So, I mean, we've got guys that can play multiple positions in case something happened. You know, for example, yeah. if Sean Murphy Bunting were to go down, I bet we'd see what didn't, wasn't it he that went down in the trying to remember now? No, no. Uh, yeah, was he that went down in the Denver game and 
Edwards went to free safety. Winfield went to the slot. I believe, yeah, I believe that was the went? case. Yeah. I can't yeah. remember. But anyway, yeah. I think Winfield playing in the slot. I mean, so there's, yeah, there's answers outside of that. So I agree with you. Five corners, unless somebody were to go crazy on special teams, I don't think it's going to happen. Antonio right. Hamilton, again, just to circle back to him and kind of give people the full picture, he is really interesting because he's played last two seasons, 132 snaps defensively for the Giants, 138 for the Chiefs. Um, so he he's out there. He's participated enough defensively to kind of be useful in that regard, maybe if right. need be. And also special teams wise, not that I've watched all his special team snaps. I have watched some of his special team snaps. I think he's pretty good in that regard. Last three, last four years, he's graded in the green for pro football focus. Last year, he played 390 snaps on special teams. The year before, 369. So he's a kind of all-phases special teams guy. Plays on right. punt coverage, has for years, kick coverage, punt return, kick return. He does it all. He's on field goal block team. You know, he's on all those teams. So he's right. a guy that's valuable and can step into a role right away. And when you're a team that kind of wants to win right now, I really think as much as I like Herb, I think it's going to come down to he and Kinley would be my Total guess. Kenley's just my wild card because I haven't yeah. seen him do any of this stuff. Hamilton's kind of the most proven guy, and I just think that they're going right. to value that at the end of the day. Yeah. Unless somebody it, goes crazy. Price. Right. Unless Herb goes crazy. And well, but, but then picks. again, it's, it's like Parnell Motley went crazy, right? And, and he didn't end up making the team. So Right. That's true. Never so know. maybe it doesn't even matter. Herb, yeah. sorry. Love you, buddy. <laughs> um, our Herb, uh, Bucks time wants to know, our Herb, Miller and Ross Cockrell good enough to pick up the slack if Carlton Davis misses a game. I think, I mean, Herb, we just don't know enough. There's no reason for us to really go down that road right now, right. I, you know. But Ross, I think for Ross Cockrell, um, I, I think last year why they wanted him back so badly, and you heard Bruce Arians bring him up like unprompted like right, four times. Right. That's how you know. When you hear yes. stuff like that, you know coaches love a guy and you know he's yes. a walk. Like you don't have to like, – like Bruce bringing him up kind of unprompted saying – Man, that was a huge pickup for us by Jason Light because it was. Yeah, Dean got banged up and Murphy Bunning got banged up and Cockrell. Yeah. I mean, and uh, Carlton Davis got banged up and Cockrell had to play in the slot some and he had to play right. outside some. And he kind of has experience doing all that. And he's not like an amazing athlete or a big dude, right. but he just does everything pretty well. He's a good, solid tackler. He's smart. He's not out of position. He picks up the defense quickly. He can play with technique. He can find the football. Um, he's just a good player. He's not right. necessarily ever going to be a desirable starter type of impact, but I definitely think he's a guy that helps the team. And as a fourth corner, I think that's a great luxury. You're right. When you, when you look at you know guys like Leonard Fournette getting re-signed for one year, Kevin Minter getting re-signed for one year, you know, and then those, those were two like important guys, right? I mean, Fournette was was a starting running back for the postseason. And the number two running back behind Rojo in the regular season. And Minter was the guy that stepped in for Devin White and was a special teams captain. Granted, he's a little bit longer in the tooth, but uh, they signed one-year deals. They brought Ross back for two years. That speaks volumes about how much they mm -hmm. like him. Right? I, I think Nacho also got a two-year deal as well, right? Another yep. key valuable sub. So when they like you, they really like you, you're going to get uh, more than one-year deal. When they like right. you, you're going to get a one-year deal. So now here's the trick with Cockrell before we move on to safeties. The tricky part is that you'd love your number four corner to play special teams. The Bucs tried to do it last year. Cockrell played the most special team snaps he'd ever played in his career. He wasn't How did it go, John? How did he wasn't it go? horrible, honestly. I don't think he was horrible, Scott. But part of the problem is he's just small and like kind of light. 
So he's not a very impact tackler. Right. And on those, I mean, you kind of need like long arms, like Sean Murphy Bunting. It helps him that well on special teams that he's right. got these long arms and he can make tackles outside his frame. And your Cockrell just isn't really a hitter. He's not really a, ta- a long arm guy that can tackle outside his frame. He's not a great athlete. Those are typically the type of guys, super physical guys. That's like the raw mold of what you want on special teams. So he is not, I mean, he has. 26 punt coverage snaps in his entire career. Yeah. And he's been playing since 2014. 130, 138 kick coverage snaps. 90 of those came last year, and the Bucs were like the worst kick coverage unit literally in NFL <laughs> right. history. It wasn't all Ross's that. fault, but no, he, it wasn't. He, was, he was part of the problem. Right. Yeah. But that's part of And then we've talked about this too, Scott. Ross Cockrell was this team's up back in the Super Bowl. Personal and that was the first yeah. time he had ever played that personal protector role in his career was yeah. in the Super Bowl. They asked yeah. him to do it. And it almost cost him a few times. And then he did <laughs> make one nice block on one punt. Yeah. And he was the personal. We probably we might get in trouble. I don't know if we can say this, but he was the personal protector when they went out with punt team at some point in minicamp. He was the guy like lined up there. So yeah. I have no idea if that's going to be his role this season or if they're trying to find a spot for him. But yeah. it's it's pretty interesting to me that uh He's going to have to – they need that fifth guy at corner to be a stud on special right. teams, and that's why I think it bodes well for Antonio Hamilton uh, to be yeah, out there. I was going to say, too, Josh brings up a good point. You know, Cockrell's got the most career starts out of all the cornerbacks yeah. in the team. And so, you know, it's like you look at Carlton Davis entering year four now in the contract year. You know, he's obviously a seasoned guy, but you, you look at, at Cockrell, and he just – he does have that kind of been there, done that. Uh, ability to even help some of these younger guys as they're, you know, they're not so young anymore, but the up and coming guys, the Sean Murphy Buntings, the Jamel Deans, and it's going to be really interesting to see because, you know, the pie is only so big and Carlton's going to have the first crack at, at cashing in. If he has a really good year, if he's a shutdown corner, four or five interceptions this year, again, he's going to make starting quarterback, uh, not even starting quarterback, like CB one type money. Yeah, like he's right. going to be an upper echelon paid cornerback. There's going to be a differentiation of pay right between Carlton mm-hmm. And then Sean Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean. And then logic tells you that they're going to have enough money to really pay Sean Murphy Bunting or Jamel Dean, mm-hmm. you know, kind of that, that CB2 money eventually, right? So they, right. they have about two years to kind of separate themselves. I don't think you're going to see all three of these no. cornerbacks on the team three years from now. Yeah, that would be that would be pretty unlikely. And it could be just one. It could be just Carlton. We'll see how things develop for sure. Right. You know, one last note on Cockrell. He this is a perfectly described. So I think he allowed 16 catches on 22 targets this past season, but only 119 yards total. That's only yeah. 7.4 yards per reception. So for a small guy, he tackled the catch yeah. really well, prevented he's, any type he's of big attack plays. the yak. That's yeah. for sure. No, he, no yak on this guy. Yeah, he's just a solid player, I think. Uh, so, yeah, enjoy Cockrell and glad he'll be back in the fold. Let's jump over to the safety position. But before we do, Scott, I got to let people know about where the goods really are at over at Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest place to play fantasy football for big cash prizes. On Underdog Fantasy, you just draft. No need to worry about waivers, lineups, or injuries. Underdog handles it all for you. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft a season-long best ball team, and that's it. No in-season management. They're going to give you $25 when you sign up so you can take a free shot at a $1 million grand prize in their fantasy football tournament. That's right. You can get a free $25 in bonus cash on Underdog Fantasy if you use that promo code PEWTER, P-E-W-T-E-R, when you make your first deposit. I love Underdog because it's just so easy to use. Go to underdogfantasy.com, join a league, draft a team, and that's it. 
you're good for the season. Go over to underdogfantasy.com, the App Store, the Google Play Store, sign up with that promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, and get a free $25 in bonus cash. Look, Underdog Fantasy is running some best ball leagues right now that are awesome. You draft, and then you just leave it for the season. You just you don't have to do in-season roster management or remember to check the waiver wire or anything like that. Your team, you draft them, and they just pull your best scores every week. There's no agonizing over who to start each week. No, you get the benefit of the team that you drafted. So if you kill the draft, you'll kill the league. I love that strategy. Yeah. Uh, I love what the best ball leagues are about because I'm a big draft guy. But then when it comes to all the luck in season and all that kind of stuff and who got to the waiver wire first in week one, you know, for guys that are obviously going to start, you know, that kind of stuff, you don't have to worry about it anymore. So check out Underdog Fantasy. It's really good stuff. Uh, and I think you'll have a lot of fun playing in those leagues. And Pewter Report's going to have some leagues going up too in the underdog fantasy realm that you might be have the opportunity to join as well. Okay, Scott, we got to talk about safeties. The first three, again, set in stone, right? Antoine Winfield, uh, Jordan Whitehead, Mike Edwards. Here's my question to you, and we'll just go quickly through the starters here. I only have one question. How do you get Mike Edwards on the field more this season, and what happens to the other safeties if you can do it? Boy, that's great. Um, if I'm Todd Bowles, I'm revisiting that John Ledyard article about ways to get Mike Edwards on the field. Um, not, yes. listen, not that Bowles needs any help, right? He's he's a defensive mastermind. I'm going to give him all the credit in the world. It's just that that you know Whitehead is is in a contract year, and Ellis needs a starter, and you you know you count on him for making plays like like that play against Green Bay, right? We forced the fumble, big scoop by yep. uh, Devin White led to the touchdown. Really helped put that. That game a little bit out of reach there in the second half for the Bucks. Packers made a little bit of a comeback, but that touchdown, you know, passed to I think it was Cam Bray right afterwards. That 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 really kind of uh, you know created more separation. That was right on, on the heels of that Scotty Miller touchdown before halftime. So those are the type of plays that that uh, Whitehead can make. I think he's better closer to the line of scrimmage. He's a physical guy against the run. Mm-hmm. Throws his body around. He's fearless. He's everything you want. Yeah, uh, in in this style of defense, it's hard to take him off the field. But when you look at the turnover ability of a guy like like Mike Edwards, uh, there's he's a bit of a ball magnet. He just reminds me a little bit of Rondé Barber, just kind of right place, right time. Always kind of puts himself in position to make those plays. And not the Whitehead doesn't. It's just they're they're kind of two different styles of play. I think Whitehead's more of a steady Eddie, and there's real value in that. Um, but when you look at at Mike Edwards in, in very limited uh, playing time last year, two interceptions, five pass breakups. If you remember his, you know, the, he had the interception not just against the Packers off a tipped pass. They really helped turn the tide in that game. But the Broncos game too, the end zone mm-hmm. interception to keep Denver out of it to keep the nail in the coffin for that Bucks win. Yeah, and I then, remember he had that interception against the Raiders that was taken away by a penalty. That's, that that's right. Where it was like a defensive offside or something. Yep. On, yeah. Yep. So he had he had uh, um, a fumble recovery, thirty-one yards uh, against the, uh, the the Saints in that Sunday night game. So mm-hmm. he's just kind of a splashy kind of guy in terms of of the the plays that he can make. And um, yep. you know he he got um, you know he played in fifteen games, played certainly a lot more in twenty nineteen. Right, he had forty five tackles, one sack, a fumble recovery, um, six pass breakups. Uh, and in very few instances, right, last year, I mean, he, the guy finished with 11 tackles. But yeah. when you look at the splash plays, the the two interceptions, the fumble recovery, five pass breakups, 
in such a, a limited number of snaps. I think I think Bowles has got to find a way to get him out the field, even if you use more three safety packages. Um, there's mm-hmm. just some value maybe going to more dime against teams that are really going to chuck the ball down the field and go four wide receivers. Yeah, it is one of the big challenges for this staff, I'm sure, is figuring out how to get him on the field. And let me just give you some numbers to reinforce what you said. The big thing that was mentioned to us last year before training camp was he's got to clean up the missed tackles. Well, smaller sample size of snaps, you know, cut in yeah. half, but his missed tackles cut in half too. Right. We didn't notice it as a problem all season long right. when we were watching him. We thought, you know, it was impressive as a tackler. Yeah. Only targeted 18 times, but gave up just seven catches for 56 yards. I mean, he was, again, right. like these are numbers from pro football focus, but yeah, just – there was not a lot to complain about with Mike Edwards last season. Even when he was kind of out of position, he seemed to make up ground really quickly, really looked like a totally different player from his rookie year to me when I was watching him. I thought it was a huge change. And then if you look at his alignment, though, it gets tricky, right? 227 of his 320 snaps were at free safety, whereas a deep single high safety or two high safety, he did not play around the box very much at all. He didn't play in the slot very much at all last season. So it was a swing for him. It was a change for him. I think as a rookie, yeah, as a rookie, it was 100 snaps in the slot, 144 in the box, 349 of free safety. So he was all over the place. And really now this year, I felt like Todd Bowles kind of defined everybody's roles a little bit more. And as a result, Edwards and Whitehead played the best football of their young careers. Getting Whitehead off the field might not get Edwards on it unless Winfield takes Whitehead's spot and Edwards plays free safety. Then it gets into the conversation that I know we'll have during training camp, and it'll be one of the big things we talk about, I think, this whole month, or the whole month of August, Scott, is can Antoine Winfield do more than play free safety? We saw a little bit of it last year, a little yeah. bit in the slot. We know he can defend the run. I think he could definitely play in the block, box. We know he can blitz, right? He's terrific as a blitzer. Yeah. The question is, can he play in the slot? Can he be more of a versatile, strong safety than what Jordan Whitehead currently is, then you might have the opportunity to play Mike Edwards more at free safety. Can he handle the bigger workload would be his question. But last year out of 1,200 snaps, 868 of them for Winfield came at free safety. He was basically a single-eye free safety most of the season. Yeah, That is something they're going to have to figure out if they want to move him around more next year. Yeah, I think, too, if you look at Winfield's numbers, right, he had 94 tackles. As a rookie, he was the third leading tackler on this team in the regular season. As a rookie, free safety. (laughs) So he's the deepest guy, and he was still that involved in the run defense. Pretty crazy. Jordan Whitehead, by comparison, 74 tackles. So, I mean, here you've got a rookie, and and Winfield had 20 more tackles. He had three sacks, right? I mean, um, you know, they they blitzed their safeties. That's a Todd Bowles staple, right, to blitz Mm -hmm. the safeties. He had three. Whitehead had two. Um, And then you look at at the – uh, let's see, um, six pass breakups, right? Whitehead at four, mm-hmm. uh, one interception, um, two forced fumbles. Those, those came on the blitz as a fumble recovery. This was a guy that was just an absolute playmaker, and he's 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 got a, a really bright future, right? I mean, he's he's one of the this this team's young stars. Played like like a second round pick for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, earned, he's already earned that that draft, uh, you know, recognition in, in terms of his his status as a player. I think the sky's the limit for this guy. And the problem is if Edwards continues to to make those splash plays, even in a limited fashion, as much as you like Jordan Whitehead, unless he comes back with a very reasonable offer um, to to rejoin the team, maybe on, on a one-year deal, you yeah. got to think that reading the tea leaves, Mike Edwards replaces Whitehead as 
as the uh, the safety. And, and both of those guys are interchangeable, right? The free and the and the strong. And I think that Winfield actually might play more strong safety if Whitehead moves on after this year. And, and Edwards then kind of becomes that center fielder. He's just a little bit, uh, I think, more of a ball hawk than, than Winfield is. Winfield, obviously, playing close to the line of scrimmage with those blitzing capabilities um, you know, and, and the ability to force fumbles, it, it's it's exciting. But I, 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 I would guess, if I had to, that that Whitehead is probably moving on after this year. I think that mm-hmm. the team just has higher priorities in terms of, you know, re-signing Gronk, re-signing, yeah. you know, Godwin to an extension, um, you know, possibly re-signing JPP, that, that Whitehead probably is the odd man out on defense in terms of the starters. But it doesn't mean he's not going to have a great year. doesn't mean right. he can't come back. I mean, it's just that they're not going to pay a King's ransom to, to re-sign yeah. Jordan Whitehead. Whitehead was terrific last season, I thought. And remember, entering the season, I was I was pretty critical of him. The way he played yeah. the year before, I thought he was maybe the worst defender the year before. And I, I don't I don't take back that. I think that his 2019 season was rough. I did say I thought a lot of it was trying to ask too much of him. Right. The Bucks did such a better job of not asking him to do too much. He still lined up in a lot of different places, but they didn't put him in really tough matchups. They didn't leave him on an island with Jared Cook a bunch like they were, they were smarter about how they deployed him this season, and he responded by doing really, really well with what they asked him to do. Um, right. I, I do think he's the type of player because he's so good in the box yeah. and tough and physical. I do see him as the type of player that could be an impact dime backer type player if they went to three safety looks. They really have exactly what you want, right? All right. three of these guys can move around a little bit. Whitehead, though, can, he's so good in the box. He beats blockers to spots. I, but I th- also think you could slide Winfield in there. He could do some of that stuff. Mike Edwards could be in the free safety. He can move around. They have a lot of kind of chess pieces in their safeties room yep. right now. They didn't really use them that way last year until the Chiefs game. The Chiefs right. game was the game where most where the, those guys spent more snaps on the field together in the Chiefs game than they did in any other game during the entire season. Yeah. So Bulls kind of like played that card last, and now that it's out there. I wonder right. if we see it a lot in in the 20, during the 2021 season and the kind yeah. of impact it could have if they do use it. Yeah, and and I think too it's like, you know, credit again to Todd Bowles for just going with with cover 2 and playing a lot of lot of Tampa 2 and cover 2 against the Chiefs because that was you know, that was a hell of an adjustment and and at the same time too it's like he got the benefit of of going to that seeing how well it worked in yeah. the first game when they lost by 3 points. Because once he made those adjustments, I've said it before, Mahomes completed barely 100 yards worth of passes mm-hmm. in the second half and one touchdown. So right. um, really kind of st- the stifling of Patrick Mahomes and this Chiefs offense wasn't just from the first quarter of the Super Bowl. It started back right before the bye week in that first matchup against the Chiefs. It was at week 12 that yep. uh, you know that second half was, was a brand-new ball game. I mean, you give the Buccaneers the ball back – and maybe three or four more minutes in that game. And I'm telling John, they beat the Chiefs in the regular season. They just ran out of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they couldn't get it together in the first half, and that's what eventually yeah. screwed them. But and then they had some – they did have some bad breaks in that game and some things they needed yeah. to clean up, and they did, obviously. But, yeah, this was a team. They knew how close they were. They made those kind of changes, and I just wonder if they keep making those kind of changes defensively and in I 2021. Wonder what, I wonder what new wrinkles Todd Bowles has, right, in store yeah. because, you know, Devin White's another another year older. Sean Murphy Bunting's another year older. You know, Vita Vea came back and, and continued his wrecking ball, you know, status as that yeah. 
that push the pocket nose tackle guy. Right. Um, I think Anthony Nelson, you know, he's, I think he's going to be under the gun and feeling yep. a little heat yep. with Joe Tryon and what's Tryon going to do this year. Right. It's right. just, Hey, no pressure, Rook, you know, forget your first round status. We're just going to put you on the field for a couple plays and rush the passer. And I mean, he could thrive in that role. I could see mm-hmm. Tryon getting three, four five, six sacks just as a, you know, uh, designated pass rusher, DPR guy. So yeah, um, and a, another chess piece, John, for Todd Bowles to work with. Right. And we got to talk about this fourth safety spot before we jump over to linebacker to wrap things up. But Lawrence White, Augie Contressa, those are probably the long shots. But then you've got Javon Hagen and Raven Green as the two guys really kind of thumping right now heads yeah. for that number four safety spot vacated by Buccaneer great Andrew Adams. Curtis Riley could have been that guy, but he got hurt yeah. in rookie minicamp. I don't think we've gotten necessarily an update on him uh, since Bruce Arian said that it was. It seemed like it could be serious, but yeah, well, well, been, it, he could have been a nice pickup. Right. It, it was it was an Achilles injury. We'll see if it's partially torn. If if you know if uh, rest, strained or you know, right. has, has healed it, but yeah, I mean when you look at at, at Green, um, he's got the special teams experience and he's kind of a of a thick guy too. He's a bit of a oh, man. It's Raven like, Green mean, is rocked up, dude. Yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> we saw that at camp. Yeah, yeah, he he, he doesn't uh, skip arm day uh, or chest day, um, you know, <laughs> or lat day, or any day in the weight room. Really, he's he's a pretty well put together dude. But then then Hagen is a guy that had some buzz from training camp last year. Six foot two fifteen. I don't believe that Raven Green is 5'11", 197. I just don't. I mean, he looks bigger than that. He said he was 192, uh, actually. They interviewed him, and they said, I'm actually down to 192, and I'm going to see how much weight I can lose I'm, here in this heat. I'm not calling him a liar, but I don't believe him. He just – I mean <laughs> – Maybe man, he just has zero body fat. I was going to say, maybe the, the body fat index is just crazy low, but it's right. like he is so well put together, and he's physical, and he was kind of a vocal leader over there, I think, on field too, right? We were seeing – you know, him make some, some plays out there and really kind of, he was a fourth year guy um, played up in green Bay. He's got some experience. It's all going to come down to special teams though, for this fourth safety spot, John. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I think it's down to Hagen and, and green. I think one of you those know, two guys emerges. Maybe you're onto something with Raven green being a liar here. <laughs> I don't want to slander this guy, but he got on and in his interview, he talked about his weight. Like you said, yeah. Then he said like, Special teams, he loves. He welcomes it. That's where he's cut his teeth. That's where he's made his impact in the NFL. Well, he hasn't really played very much special teams, so I don't know what he's talking about exactly. Like, yeah. he played 111 snaps on special teams last year. That's probably about a fourth of the snaps that they had on special teams. Green Bay last year. I mean, yeah. he really wasn't on. He wasn't on punt return team hardly at all. Punt coverage a little bit. Kick coverage a little bit. Yeah. Kick return a little bit, but he wasn't like a four, you know, no year in his career has he been like a big special teams contributor for them. And same That's thing true. in 2019, he played 18 special team snaps. And so right. I don't really know like what he's talking about, but like also Javon Hagen's not not exactly experienced either. So that is going to be a very good battle in camp between those guys. I really think Curtis Riley, if he healthy, Josh saying uh, partially torn Achilles for him. I, I thought if he was healthy, maybe he could have been the guy. Yeah, I still lean Raven Green right now, but I think Javon Hagen is somebody he was take stepping up, taking on some leadership roles. Right. They liked him and they talked about him last year. He doesn't have the experience Green does. Defensively, Green was a dimebacker for for the Packers and played well in that role. Was a blitzer. Uh, got home a few times. Was very tough, physical. Yeah. Fits the Bucks mold. He was vocal in camp as well. Low key, that's going to be another really good matchup to watch because both those guys I think can play. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that. It's it's going to be fun to watch 
Um, and I think less stressful too, right. For, for the team, like not having, like having your, your starters back. I think mm-hmm. the, the only starting job really up for grabs truly is, is the running back spot is going to be Rojo or, or Leonard, you know, they'll, they'll figure that out. But, but uh, some of these backup jobs, um, you know, the, the fourth guy here, the fifth guy there, yeah. uh, it's, it's, uh, it's fun. I think for Buccaneer fans to enjoy, the fact that that you're you're walking in with the Super Bowl caliber roster with a team that that you know the, the only team that's going to beat the Buccaneers this year honestly is themselves because yep. they have the talent to beat every single team on their roster and there's a couple of payback games on there too. Pat Mahomes could beat them. I just want to throw it out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Will, sure. But I'm just saying right. like that. But, but ordinarily, but he, I agree with you. Yeah, but he's not on the schedule right now. Season, right, right. So yeah. the, there's a couple of payback games. The Rams are on the schedule. The Bears yeah. are on the schedule. The Saints obviously are on the schedule, right? There's there's some payback games there. Giants are on the schedule. I know they didn't lose to them, but they played yep. like absolute, you know yeah. what? <laughs> Crap. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and listen, the Bucks are going to get everyone's best shot. You know, right. Warren Sapp's right. It's like when when you're the hunted, uh, you're no longer the hunter, and it's like you got to have that hunter mentality, even though you're the hunted. So they're going to get everybody's best. At the same time, it's. It's great though that you're returning all your firepower, and you've got a very veteran. Even though it's a young team, it's still a very veteran team too. That guys that have that have not, listen, most of the guys have been there, done that. Now they know mm-hmm. what it takes, and they just kind of do it again. Right, exactly. Yeah, me. Chadbury says, uh, off topic question: What chance would you give the Bucks to have the best record in the league? You know, Bucks time says fifty percent chance. So it'll be the Bucks or an AFC team with the best record. I agree with Bucks time and the on that it'll be the Bucks or an AFC team. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if because I have to look at everybody's schedule to know for sure. But I wonder if just because the AFC they're going to play more teams in the AFC and the AFC is better. If the Bucks probably they probably have the best chance in the league to have the best right. record in the league um, in the regular season at least, and then the playoffs. You know, anything can happen. But I would give them a pretty I don't know what percentage exactly, but. I would give them the best, better chance than anybody else in the league to have the best for record sure. in the league. Yeah, I think that's I, the way it's set that, up that's right safe now. To say. Yeah, right. Uh, okay, so let's jump to the linebacker position. There's not as much to talk about here. By the way, good point by Josh Allen that the Bucks could easily keep five safeties. I've kind of predicted that they will keep five safeties. Hagen and yeah. Green both could make it because Green can also play linebacker if that's they right. needed him to in a pinch. So allows you to maybe get two good special teams on there and make three linebackers active on game days. But linebacker, Devin White, Levante David, they're set in stone. Obviously, neither guy comes off the field. Kevin Minter is the third linebacker. You'd expect that to continue. Joe Jones was picked up from Denver. Special teams, eight. It's not like a Raven Green situation. Joe Jones has been one of the better special teams linebackers in the league for as long as he's played a couple years now. He was very good in that role in Denver. The media really like him as a person from Denver. I talked to some of them. They also thought – he always had potential to maybe do a little bit more if Denver needed him to play defense and things like that. He's the other guy, 349 special team snaps last year. That's right. 344 back in 2018. He's done a lot of special teams work um, for this team. And so he knows all, he plays all the phases. So he's not going to have to acclimate him to a lot of stuff. Um, he's been a very good, strong contributor for them in that way. So I think those four make the team. I don't really have a take other than that, Scott. I, I, you know, KJ Britt, it's great. Uh, you know, it's uh, Grant Stewart, it's great. Uh, take them late. You take guys that you think can help you on special teams late. I get it. Yeah, I think one or both maybe end up on the practice squad, but yeah. I don't think they're going to make the roster. I, I, I agree. And, uh, you know, the only thing is, is listen, we talked about this before, like the wheels at some point in time for older guys, they just fall off, right? And, yeah. and, uh, 
linebacker, especially in this type of defense, because they're asked to do so much in coverage. They're asked to blitz. Uh, they're asked to play special teams if you're not a Devin White or, or a Levante David. You know, I'm, I'm not saying Kevin Minter is not going to make the team, but um, he better show up and ready to go. And it's like, yes, he was the special teams captain last year. He's very well respected. There's a lot of trust there. There's, he goes all the way back with Bruce Arians to Arizona, right, and Todd Bowles as well. So he's got a lot of experience. Um, Kevin's done a great job with his body. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he lost some weight coming to Tampa to become a faster guy to play on special teams. But we saw Dario Gunbale be the special teams captain one year and then yep. not make the team the next. So that, that's not a guarantee that that Mitchell is going to make the, the team. Interesting. So I'm, I'm not okay. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying right. at some point in time, and if it's that year for Kevin Minter, where I'm just going to clip you saying that little part and put it on. Of social course, media. yeah, take me out of context, John. <laughs> Way to go, yeah. But but I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's like at some point yeah. in time, it's going to happen. And if it happens this year in camp for Kevin Minter, and 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 it's that's going to have to be coupled with a Grant Stewart or a KJ Britt really stepping up and like mm-hmm. blowing the doors down, right? Right. Uh, to, to do that because Minter does have some real value. Uh, and listen, I, I know he gave up a, a touchdown, like a, the little you know route coming out of the, the backfield against mm-hmm. uh, the Washington football team. I think it was um, when he was was on the field, or maybe yeah. it was the. I think you're right. He also yeah. had the tip pass that Murphy Bunning intercepted in that game. Exactly. Yeah. So um, you know, but listen, when Devin White wasn't in there, he's the guy they turned to. Right. I mean, there's that yeah. experience factor yeah. that he brings. So there's some real value. He's part of their goal line package at the linebacker position. Um, but at some point, as you get up there, and I want to say Kevin's 31 now, I believe, mm. you know, just something to keep an eye on. Uh, I don't think it happens this year. I hope not for I Kevin. Don't either. He's a good guy. But, right. But, but this may be Joe Jones, you know, audition year. If you right. ball out next year, right. we, give you, we get you back. As the exactly. number three guy and Minner is, you know, retires or whatever at that point in time. Yeah, so, exactly. yeah, interesting point. Something to think about for sure with Minter uh, in the future. You know what else we got to think about, Scott? What's that, John? We got to think about the fact that summer is here and we need to be ready to unveil our beach bod. You're in luck if you're thinking about doing that, Scott. Our friends at Manscaped just launched their fourth generation performance package, which includes the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Compliment your summer bod with a trim from the leaders in male grooming. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for hot guy summer by going to (laughs) manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R. Listen to what this performance package 4.0 has. Listen to this. The 4.0 trimmer, the weed whacker, air and nose hair trimmer. You've already talked about how great that is. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. The Crop Reviver Toner. Performance Boxer Briefs that are the most comfortable boxer briefs you will ever wear in your life. And a travel bag to hold your goodies. Travel bag's really nice. This trimmer, okay, it's got all the latest technology with the blade. It's very comfortable. It's got a travel lock so your battery's not running out. It's not buzzing in your backpack or whatever if you carry around ball trimmers in your backpack. I don't know. There's an LED spotlight uh, that comes on that gives you that precise shade. It's very it's important. Very important. Especially as you get older and your eyes like don't work as well. Having that little spotlight helps. Trust me. 
Exactly. And uh, it also is uh, waterproof. So you really can't beat it. It's terrific stuff. The technology behind it's amazing. They're always coming out with new ones because they're always perfecting what they do. Uh, it's really, really good quality technology. And the ball deodorant, the crop reviver, can't say enough about them. And those boxers, man, they're unbelievable. So get 20% off plus free shipping with that promo code pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R at manscaped.com. There it is. Scott's holding it up. That's 20% off plus free shipping with that promo code pewter, P-E-W. T-E-R. Terrific stuff from our friends over at Manscaped. All right. You know, John. Chad is alive. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's like. We had like 15 people join the show during that read. Yeah. And and the thing is, is is I'm, I'm being completely honest. I would never have tried Manscaped before. I, I wouldn't because it just it just seems like a little far-fetched. Why would I you know need it? Whatever. Um, I, I didn't purchase it. Um they sent it to me for free. So if it's free, I'm going to use it. And I did because I want to like believe in what we're selling. Right. I mean, that's part of it. Um, there's not a product uh, at pewterreport.com or, or a service that we don't use or believe in. Um, yes, that's, 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 a, that's a fact. It really yeah. is. This and is game changer. And I it, knew it was game changer is. before. I'm and when sold. you told me they were with yes. us, I was like, let's go, yeah. baby. I'm sold. And actually I purchased one, two, three. I purchased four of these for, Feathers, so it's yes. like that's how much I believe in it. I, I right. got mine free. Yeah, I'm like, yep. you know we're part of the free promo uh, group, but um, I've, I purchased four, you know, myself to give away. Oh, Mitch, it's good stuff. Mitch, oh come no, on, Mitch, buddy, Mitch, come on, Mrs. Mrs. Chamira, Mrs. Chamira on Twitter. Yeah, Mrs. Chamira, yeah. come on, Mitch. I'm gonna Mrs. send you one, Mitch. Mrs. Chamira is gonna Hit love me up it. on Twitter, Mitch. I'll set. Come on, yes. Mitch. Exactly. Oh, Mitch. Mitch is gonna replace the Lenny segment. Yeah. Lenny, Mitch. Yeah. Come on, Mitch. All right. Yeah. Tomorrow's show. We got, I'm excited about See, Joel said about him uh, wanting to try Celsius. I'm right. telling you, try it. Like everybody else that's on the show, they've yeah. talked about it. You know, they didn't weren't going to try it. And then, boom, they tried it. It was awesome. Here we go. Tomorrow's show. I'm so geeked for tomorrow's show, Scott. We got, we got a bunch of, there's, gonna, I don't know who all is going to be on the pod, but we're talking on the podcast tomorrow about if there was an expansion draft in the NFL, what's going on right now with the NHL. And I know Buck, or Lightning fans are all up in arms because Yanni Gord might be the, uh, the Lightning player that, that gets taken. Well, we're going to take that same concept to the Bucks tomorrow on the show where if there's an expansion draft, okay, is who are the Bucks that you want to protect? There's going to be rules for it, who you okay. have to protect. But we're coming to the show with our list of 10 bucks that we've got to protect in the event of an expansion draft, okay. factoring in a lot of different things. So it's going to be fun. All right. It's going to be okay. an exciting show. And we'll probably good. fans, I want you to come with your list. Tell us who you yes. want to protect if there was an expansion draft in the NFL. Because someday there probably will be again. And I don't know if it'll go down just like the NHL. It, it, it won't. Oh, they finalized the selections. Toby, please tell us. Was it Yanni? Do we know? I don't know if it was if it was Yanni. Oh, or not. wait for the protected list. You mean? No, they finalized the selections for who the okay. Kraken are taking, and so it's either what Yanni or Kalorn or. Oh God! I think it's Yanni Scott. Oh, we're don't, waiting. Don't we're waiting to. Me. We're not ridding. It was Yanni. He gone. What? No, he's gone, Scott. No, 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 no. This is not good. Yanni is probably, he's, I think he's probably my favorite. Yes. He's one of my favorite players on the team. Yeah. Early word as uh, Seattle Kraken were focused on one player from the Go Bolts. Yeah. 
Oh my god! Not happy it was him. Anyway, we didn't want to end this pod on a sad note, but now we no. are joining us listen, tomorrow. Uh, listen, I, in in full disclosure, a part of the reason I I had some setbacks in June from my voice <laughs> was watching lightning hockey, right? And, you know, and, and yelling and going like yelling. You know, it's <laughs> like oh god. so. You don't have to worry about losing your voice anymore, Scott. That's true. Yanni yeah. is moving on. So uh, sad. So upsetting. God. All right. Tomorrow on the pod, we'll be breaking down the bucks that we'd protect in the event of an NFL expansion draft. It's going to be fun Wait, stuff. How many guys? How many guys? Are ten. Ten. You get to protect ten. Oh, yes. Twenty percent of the roster. They're close. Yeah. Close and there's going to be some okay. rules about like who you don't have to protect. Like you don't have to protect rookies and things like that. So okay, we'll talk about it. All right. It'll I'm be in. fun. Sounds fun. Until then. Thank you all for listening to another edition of the Peter Report podcast. Out. Out.